On today's docket, we discuss the court system in the United States. This is part two of the three-part series. In the last episode, we looked at an overview of the judiciary in the United States, the federal and the state systems, and the state system in general. In this episode, we're going to look at one state specifically and how the judiciary, the court system, works in that state. Instead of talking about generalities, to look at one state as an example. The Four Legal English Podcast is now in session. Welcome to the Four Legal English Podcast. This is the show for lawyers, law students, and other professionals from all over the world who want to improve both their legal English and legal knowledge. In this podcast, we discuss different legal topics, such as law in the news, law in practice, legal writing, legal movies, and other issues. This podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, consult an attorney. You can check out our blog articles, available courses, and the show notes for this episode on our website. That's fours in the number four, legalenglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com. ForLegalEnglish.com. I'm Timothy Barrett, your host. I'm a former practicing attorney from the United States, more recently a law professor in Tbilisi, Georgia, and currently an author and podcast host, among other things. Florida. So I tried to give a good description of the state courts in general, but I thought it would be useful to kind of look a little bit closer at one state. This would give us a better idea of how really each of the states are going to work. Now, I chose Florida. I used to practice in Florida, and I think Florida is is somewhat typical as far as their judiciary, and Florida is, is certainly one of the largest states. Florida has around 21 million people, which makes it the third most populous state in the Union. And it has a land size of 170,000 kilometers squared, which is about the size of Austria or Portugal. That state is subdivided into 67 counties and also into 20 circuits. So each circuit has one to five counties. And the court system is based on those circuits in those counties within the state. So let's start at the lowest level, the court of first instance. And like many states, Florida has two courts of first instance. So we're going to start at the lower one. In Florida, that's called the county court. It has jurisdiction over misdemeanor criminal cases and civil claims of under $15,000. So if you're suing someone for $14,000, you'd go to county court. If it's $16,000, you go to the other court, the circuit court. Now, some cities in Florida will have a traffic court. Otherwise, these cases, traffic cases, are also heard in county court. Circuit court. The upper trial court is officially called the circuit court. And sometimes circuit courts will also have specialty courts, such as drug court. I I was involved in that previously. 
uh, a mental health court, veterans court, or some other types of court. Generally, the circuit court has jurisdictions over felonies and claims, civil claims over $15,000, but also specific other types of cases. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but anything about probate, dealing with the property of people who had died, anything about minors or family issues, juveniles, tax disputes, disputes over real property, declaratory judgments or injunctions, those types of cases automatically will go to circuit court, not the county court. And that's by statute. Circuit court judges are for the circuit, but they are usually sitting in one county. They're usually assigned to one specific courtroom in one county. However, some judges may ride the circuit. That is to say, they may have some cases in this county on Mondays, but then on Tuesdays they go to a different court. In the courthouse that I worked at, we had a judge who was half the time in, in our county and then half the time in the neighboring county. And each circuit has a state attorney, the prosecutor's office, and a public defender's office. And the state attorney and public defender are each elected within that circuit. And so they will have offices in each county because each county will have a courthouse. But they're elected circuit-wide. First appearances in criminal cases. So the first appearance is when someone is arrested and they're held in custody, usually within 24 hours the next day, they have to appear before a judge. So we call that first appearance. This is a constitutional requirement. Each circuit will establish its own procedures, but usually the county court judges will handle all first appearances, and the initial bail hearing is, is conducted at the same time during the week, during Monday through Friday. But on the weekends and holidays, all the judges, the circuit judges and the county judges, will usually handle it in a rotation. In the county I worked at, they would have a duty judge from actually three counties, so they had a list of all the judges from those three counties, and they kind of rotated through it. So one of those judges was on duty every Saturday or Sunday or holiday. And during those days, they would have to hear first appearance. And anything else that would come up on an emergency basis, they would go to that judge. The first appearances, they may do via closed-circuit television. So even before um, the pandemic and those types of responses, they often did first appearance through video instead of bringing the, the criminal defendant in court. The, in other words, the defendants do not need to be in the physical presence of the judge. Why do they do this? I think just to make it a little bit easier to transport prisoners from the jail to the courthouse. Often the jail and the courthouse are, are not next to each other, so it can be complicated. And that is one of the most dangerous times as far as guarding a prisoner is the, the transport from the, the courthouse back to the jail or, or vice versa. So it minimizes that risk during transportation. And most of the time, the first appearance is kind of a pro forma. You know, it's just kind of formulaic. There's not a lot that happens. Usually, the defense attorney isn't there. There may be a public defender or a prosecutor there, but they probably don't know any specifics about the case. And so it's really just looking at, at the probable cause, make sure that the arrest seems to be valid. Not that it was valid, not that he is guilty or she is guilty, just that it appears that everything was done correctly. 
and setting a bond, setting a next court date. So that is often done you know, through video. Court of second instance. In Florida, that's called the District Court of Appeal, or a DCA. In Florida, it has divided into five districts. And like I said before, any district court of appeal decision is binding on all lower Florida courts, even courts in other districts, unlike how it works in the federal system. The judges here will sit as a three-judge panel, but occasionally they will hear a case on bonk where all the judges will sit together and decide the case. All the judges from that district court of appeal. The court of third instance. The court of third instance is called the Supreme Court of Florida. It has seven judges and they always handle cases on bonk altogether. And most appeals are discretionary. The court gets to choose. They have the discretion to choose, do we want to hear this appeal or not? So if they don't want to hear it, they can reject the appeal or they can accept it. An exception to that is the death penalty cases. Death penalty cases go directly to the Supreme Court from the trial court. In other words, they, they skip that court of second instance, the district court of appeal. And this is an appeal by right. So the, the Supreme Court has to deal with these cases. Florida is one of the few states in the United States that, that does use the death penalty. So this is, I, I think, a, a, a decent part of their docket is dealing with these mandatory appeals. Why do they skip the court of second instance? I think because it really doesn't have any finality. If the court case is going to go to the Supreme Court of Florida anyway, then why have that intermediate appeal where if the defendant loses, he's still going to go to the Supreme Court, might as well kind of skip that step and go right to the Supreme Court. At least it appears that's what the, the thinking was, the reasoning. So to recap, Florida has two trial courts. The lower one is the county court. The upper one is the circuit court. And then the court of second instance is the district court of appeal. And the court of third instance is the Supreme Court of Florida. Selection of judges. So how are judges selected in Florida? So county and circuit court judges, so the trial court judges, are elected. There are nonpartisan elections. When running, they don't choose a political party. They run as usually what we call independent, independent of a political party. If there are vacancies, then the governor will choose from a list composed by a nominating committee. So there'll be a committee that puts together a bunch of names. The governor will choose one of those names to fill a vacancy. For appellate judges, the Judicial Nominating Commission will submit three to six names for the governor, and he, will, or he or she will select one of those names. However, after one year, they have a retention election. So now voters get their say. They can vote to keep that judge or to dismiss that judge. So they're not initially elected, but they do face an election to be retained or, or kicked out. And all judges have a term of six years. To get an idea of how many judges there are, the Supreme Court, as we said, has seven judges. Court of Second Instance, the District Court of Appeals, has 60. And the Circuit Court has almost 600 judges. 
I couldn't find the, the data for the county court judges, but I think it's actually going to be less than 600. I think there are more circuit court judges than county court judges. Court personnel. Now, besides the judges, who else works in the courthouse or for the courthouse? One big component are the court clerks. The court clerks basically do the paperwork for the court. When a lawyer or a person wants to file a case or respond to a case, anything like that, file any type of paperwork, they'll go to the clerk's office and the clerks will receive that paperwork, stamp it, uh, collect fees as appropriate, and you know, make sure it gets to the, the right judge, the right, the right court case. In court, usually there'll be one or two court clerks that are, are sitting, and they're responsible for recording part of the proceedings, as well as assisting the judge as the judge is making decisions from the bench. We also have law clerks or judicial clerks. These are lawyers, usually young lawyers, maybe recent law school graduates, who are assisting the judge. So the judge wants some research done, the law clerk will handle that, maybe write some draft decisions, draft opinions, that sort of thing, uh, that will help the judge make his or her decision. And each judge will also have a judge's assistant or judicial assistant, sometimes abbreviated JA. This would not be a lawyer, but a, a legal secretary, someone who helps with the paperwork. Often this may be someone that was the, legal, the judge's legal secretary before they became a judge. There may also be court reporters, people who are in the courtroom typing up the proceedings. However, but most of the time in Florida courts, we didn't use those. Everything was audio recorded, but sometimes they will use court reporters. And of course, bailiffs. Bailiffs are the court security and are usually deputy sheriffs. So they are law enforcement officers that work for the sheriff's office. And it's usually the sheriff's office that will also uh, run the jail, so are responsible for guarding the, the defendants if they're in custody. And the sheriff is elected, that's an elected constitutional office, as well as the court clerk is elected at the county level. What questions do you have about today's episode? You can post those questions or any comments on the show notes. This is a great way to practice and improve your legal English skills. You can go to the website for, as in the number four, legalenglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com, for legalenglish.com. You can check out our blog articles and show notes for this episode, and check out the episode quizzes. It would be fantastic if you could subscribe and give us a review. If you could leave us five stars and a nice comment, it would really help the algorithm and other people to find our podcast. If you leave a great review, I might even read it on the air. So start writing. The 4 Legal English Podcast is adjourned. Don't miss the next docket call. <laughs> <laughs>